you? Good? Everyone's good? Everyone enjoyed the long weekend last weekend? Did you do something nice? Nice. I, my Monday I spent sitting at my kitchen table uh, writing this message, which I love. I love. Actually, I want to talk about my kitchen table. You know, I've said a number of times, and I'm sorry if you're sick of it, but too bad. Um, that my kids are, are, our kids are all back now in Toowoomba. They've, we haven't been together as a, ch- as a church, <laughs> as a family for about six years. And um, we've do- been doing Monday night family dinners and it's not compulsory, but the ones that can make it, make it. And who wouldn't want to not have to cook? Who wouldn't want to come and not have to cook dinner? So, um, you know, we, we make it really special. But I just think there's something very special about being gathered around the table. You know, um, everyone's there, everyone's close, everyone's within arm's reach. You can see people's faces and the expressions on their faces and, and hear voices. And, you know, that it's precious moments that I'm really grateful for in our life right now. And, and the table in our house has served many purposes over the years. When the kids were growing up, um, still the same table, um, they would do their homework there because I don't know about you and how you were, but our kids always just wanted to be where we were. So they would sit at the table and do their homework. Um, This next comment might surprise you. It's where I drag the sewing machine out. Yes, I do have one and yes, I can use it. Um, I just don't tell anybody that. And I would, you know, hem the school uniforms or take the school uniforms down. That's about all I use it for. During... um, early COVID, Chris and I worked at the table until we drove each other insane and then retreated to our offices. Um, I've sat with friends around, as you probably have, around the table, uh, laughed with them in really good times, caught up with them in great times, cried with them in challenging times. I love that table. I love our table. It's seen laughter and tears. It's got character, our table. It's not precious. It's just got character. It's got knocks and scrapes, bumps, spills, um, cups that have been too hot and potentially wet put on the table where you've got the the nice rings that they leave. But I actually like that because it gives it character. It's been a place where we've gathered to work through disagreements. Yes, we have them too. Um, To discuss a way forward, to, to make plans for the future, and I think that's where they get the, the saying, you know, come to the table. Get them to come to the table so that we might find agreement. You know, you've heard that? Get them to come to the table. We're going to get them to come to the table. But for me, it'll always be a place of connection, our table, a, a place of, of healing, a place of acceptance, a place that really means home to me. And when I look at the table in Scripture, I... I see Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He sat at a table with some of his closest friends, people he'd done life with. And if we pick up the story in Mark 14, 18, it says, over dinner while they were reclining around the table, Jesus said, listen to the truth. One of you eating here with me is about to betray me. Feeling deeply troubled by these words, one after another asked him, you don't mean me, do you? He answered, it is one of you 12 who has shared meals with me as an intimate friend. All that was prophesied of me, the Son of Man, is destined to soon take place, but it will be disastrous for the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be far better for him if he had never been born. As they ate, Jesus took bread and blessed it, tore it and gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, receive this. 
It is my body. Then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he declared the new covenant with them as each one drank from the cup. He said to them, this is my blood which seals the new covenant poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day comes when we drink together in the kingdom realm of my Father. So that table for Jesus was one of mixed emotions, right? He knows it's the last meal he's going to share with these people who are close to him, who he's done life with for, for quite a long time. And, and so it's, it's precious. You know, I don't know if you've ever sat around a table with people who are leaving or I remember doing it with Levi and Talitha when they went to the other side of the world, knowing that it's going to be a while till you see them again. It's kind of precious. But he also knows that one he has loved and one he has walked with in just hours, is, it will betray him and it will actually mean his death. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? Yet he doesn't identify Jesus. Remember they said, uh, Judas, remember they said each one asked, it's not me, is it? So Judas, each one, he was one of the each one, would have asked, it's not me, is it? And Jesus could have actually said, actually, it is you. But he didn't. He didn't identify him. He didn't call him out. He, um, he didn't try and get him to come to the table and work something out or change his mind. He shares with him as he does with all the others. He loves them, gives him a seat at the table. And I think that's amazing, but I do wonder why. Why? And I think because the table is a place of peace. Come to the table that we might have peace. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place of healing as it's supposed to be. You know, we're going, to, we're going to share communion together later on. And I think communion is supposed to draw, the table is supposed to draw people in, not hold people out. It was never intended to be a place of judgment. It's a place that people come together to remember what Jesus has done for them. There's another well-known reference to the table in Scripture in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 would have to be one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And it goes like this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We like that last bit. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this psalm. I love that he makes us to lie down. I love that choice of words. He makes us lie down because we're really bad at it, people. We're really bad at stopping, aren't we? We've always something else to do. There's always something else to watch on our phones. There's always something else to consume our attention. So he makes us lie down. He leads me beside still waters. Well, still waters to me say peace. So he makes me stop and then he leads me to a place of peace where he restores my soul. He restores us. He refreshes us. He puts things right in us. And then he guides us in paths of righteousness. So he guides us to the next season. He makes us stop in the midst of everything that's going on. Makes us stop. And then he leads us to a place of peace, restores us, and then sets us off again. And I love that. And then it goes on. Uh, it says, not for my sake, 
but for his name's sake. It's because of who he is and what he means to my life. And then it goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think if I was writing that scripture, I think I would have preferred to say, he he prepares a table for me, maybe a window seat over here, while he takes care of my enemies. I mean, that makes more sense, right? I'm going to sit over here and enjoy myself while you just sort everything out, God. But he doesn't say that because he's not actually focused on the enemies. He's actually focused on the table that he's prepared in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the valley, or in the middle of whatever you think is currently going to take you out. And it's a table for two. It's not about us sitting over here while he takes care of business. It's a table for two. It's for me, for you, and for your creator God. And I think the writer of Psalms would have remembered hearing about a table uh, when they built the tabernacle and all the instructions were given in Exodus 25. There's a lot of instructions about what the table was to look like and how, because it was important that it was right. And then it says, put the bread of the presence of the table on put the bread of the presence on the table that it will always be before me. And I love this thought that no matter where we're at in life, there is this table of the presence of God set before us, a table for two. So we know that, um, we know that in that culture it, it meant um, peace. It meant something. The table meant something. You would um, say to your friend or your neighbour, Welcome to my table. We have peace. So come sit with me. We have peace. And I love that. I love that in the middle of whatever's going on in life, in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the challenges, we have his presence and his peace. And maybe you're here today and you're desperate for peace in a particular circumstance in your life, in a particular situation in your life. And I just want to remind you that the shepherd's prepared a table for you in the presence of that. In the midst of all that is going on, there's this table, a table, a place of peace, a place of acceptance, a place of healing that has been made for each and every one of us. And I'm kind of trying to paint a bit of a picture for you today. So we have this this table and there's a couple of problems that I see that we need to avoid when we see the table set before us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of the challenges, in the disappointment, the anxiety, the stress, the depression, in the midst of life, there's a couple of things that we might need to just avoid um, when we see that table. The first thing is this. We need to take time to sit, to encounter and to soak it up. Because, you know, we live in this ridiculous world at the moment that has a takeaway culture. And if you don't believe me, and I'm going to be very honest here, you know, we go through McDonald's drive through if you still go to McDonald's, I still have to confess, I sometimes do. But we go through and it's fast food, people, right? Fast food. Yeah. And Joella will have experienced this. And so you, um, you get to the window and they say, could you just pull over here? And your immediate response is, what? They've got to go find the cow for my meat patty? Are they literally growing the lettuce? Seriously. Because that's our mindset. Everything is so fast and so quick. We live in this takeaway society. And what we can tend to do when we know that there's this table, this presence, this place that we can come that's got healing and grace and acceptance, 
and love, we can go, oh, that's a nice table. I'll just, I just need a little bit of healing and oh, I'll just take a little bit of peace and I'm just going to take it to go, God. You know, see ya. Thanks for that. And we missed the point. Yeah. We missed the point. Don't let the table have an empty chair. Yeah. The chair's there for you to sit. Yeah. Family dinner would not be the same if everybody, if I spent time preparing dinner and everyone just came in with their little bags and went, oh, I've been this, been this, been this, see ya. Because it's actually about connection. It's actually about communication. It's actually about time spent and it's actually about relationship. So when God invites you to the table, it's not a takeaway service. Sit. He makes us lie down. He leads us to a place of peace. So be careful that in the midst of what is going on, you take the time to actually sit at the table and take in what God's prepared for you. The second thing we need to do is be careful not to give the enemy a seat at the table. Have you ever been out to dinner And it's a nice dinner. Maybe you're out with your significant other. Maybe you're out with a friend you haven't seen for a long time. And someone comes in and they come over and they're like talking to you and they pull up a chair. And I mean, that's totally fine. But the whole dynamic at the table changes when someone pulls up a chair. The purpose that you have for the night, maybe it's an anniversary, maybe you are wanting to talk about something, but the whole thing changes when someone pulls up a chair. And we've got to be careful that the enemy doesn't pull up a chair because remember the table's set in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of everything that's going on. And so we need to be careful he doesn't kind of slide in there. So how can you tell if the enemy's at your table? Because it's not a physical thing. It would be so much more helpful if it was a physical thing and we could see it. But I want to give you a couple of key indicators that might just let you know that you've let the enemy slide in to your table. The first thing is this. You're sitting at your table. You're sitting here in the presence of God. You're sitting here and you're about to you know, embark on healing and, and pushing through this circumstance and this situation. And you look over here and you think, that table looks better to me. That's actually nicer. I can actually not deal with this stuff. I'll just keep moving. I'm just going to leave this table and go over here because it looks better, more peaceful. There's a bit of view from over there. So I'm just going to leave all my stuff here, not deal with it, and I'm going to move over here. The grass is greener table. There's something better for me over there. Can I encourage you not to do that? You know that the enemy is at your table when you don't actually want to sit and go, I need to work through this. I need that peace. I need that healing. I need what is available to me. A second way you know that the enemy is at your table is you've got this voice in your head and it's saying things like, you know, you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You've done pretty well to now, but I'm not going to, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm out. Finished. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And you know that the enemy's at your table because you start telling people, they say, how are you going in this particular circumstance? And you're like, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm out. Finished. Can't do it. Haven't got it this time. Don't know what to do. I'm out. And I, I kind of wonder where we get those thoughts from. Certainly not from God who prepared the table for you in the presence of your enemies because he's just told you that you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. You're not setting up camp there. You're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And so you can actually do it. And we need to be able to say to people, hey, 
when they say, how are you going? Hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to walk through this like we've walked through everything else. We are going to get through it. You know, life can be complex. There is no doubt. But none of it is bigger than Jesus. I've been around for 56 years. I've seen some complexity in life, but I have never seen anything that was too hard for Jesus. Never seen anything that was too complex for him to come in and bring healing, to bring peace, to bring restoration, to bring change, to bring breakthrough. And I think the enemy would like us to settle with where we're at, to settle and live a new normal. Well, I can't get it, so I'll just live here. I'll just live at 30%. I'll just survive. You know, people used to say in the older day, olden days, just hanging out at the rapture bus stop waiting for Jesus to come. I mean, what a terrible way to live, people. Certainly not the way that Jesus wants us to live. I think Jesus would say that the new normal is exactly the same as the old normal. Yeah. I have come that you might have life, have it to the full until it overflows. Right. The third way that you know that the enemy is at your table is you start feeling like you're not good enough for it. Well, I know God's prepared this table for me. I know that there's healing. I know that there's restoration. I know that there's peace. I know that there's grace. I know that there's acceptance, but I don't feel like I deserve it. You know that the enemy slipped into your table then. Oh, you know, Pastor Sibbett, you don't know. You don't know where I've been. You don't know about my life. You know, I don't, but he does. He does. He does. And I think the answer to that question, am I good enough to be here, is found by looking up at the table and seeing who chose to invite you to sit there. Who chose to invite you to sit there? In John 10, 11, it says, Jesus is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. It connects us back to Psalm 23. See, he is the good shepherd and he laid his life down for us. It cost him a lot to offer us a seat at the table and he did it because you're worth it. He did it because you're worth it. Do you hear me? doesn't matter what you think of yourself. He thought that you were more than enough for him to lay down his life and invite you to sit at the table with Him constantly to get your peace and your healing and your breakthrough. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And how do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us that we can actually take our thoughts captive. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Think the way He does about you. Refuse to give an ear to the enemy when he slides up to the table and says, you're not good enough. You should just leave this. You should move on. You know, you can't do this. Refuse to give an ear to that and take thoughts captive and understand that you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, equipped with what Jesus has done for you. So if we go back to the table where Jesus is about to lift up the bread and lift up the cup and proclaim a new covenant, why don't we find our communion? You've got it with you. And this new covenant is one of grace and salvation. And I love this. It's no longer about us trying to reach God, but God rather reaching out to us. And He's doing that today. God's reaching out through a table of peace, a table of acceptance and a table of healing. Even though someone at that table was about to betray Him, you could say an enemy. What did Jesus do? 
he looked right at him and he said, God's purpose will prevail through it all. And I'd say that to you today, no matter where you find yourself, whether you're struggling with healing, whether it be emotional or physical, whether you're struggling to find breakthrough in an area, whether you're struggling with finances, whatever that valley of the shadow of death looks like for you, whatever those enemies look like to you, God's reaching out to you and He's saying, you know, my purpose will prevail. You will get through this. Despite what you see, Jesus is surrounded by purpose and plan and so therefore you are. I wonder if you would stand with me today. Because the promise isn't what's on the table, it's who's at the table. So I want us to, if we could just think about sitting at the table today, whether you want to do that by closing your eyes, I don't mind. With all that's going on around us, the pressure, the stress, the disappointment, life in all its complexity, let's take communion today and embrace peace and acceptance and healing at the table that's provided for us in the presence of our enemies. So let's open our little thingies up. We're going to take the bread first and I want to talk about the bread. You know, the bread represents His body that was broken for us. It represents healing. And today as we take it, I want to encourage you. Take it as healing. Take it as His body broken for you. So if you need healing in your body, in your emotions, if you've got anxiety, if you've got any sort of thing that needs healing, maybe there are relationships in your life that you want to see healing in. Let's take this as the promise today and believe as we take it together. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. And now the juice. So the juice signifies... His blood poured out for us, sealing the new covenant, one of grace. And today I want you to just, as we take it, I want you to really embrace that grace. Now, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. He thinks you're worth it. He's reaching out to you today and He's saying, you know what? No matter what, you're enough. I love you. I accept you. This is your place. The purpose and the plan is yours to continue to walk in. So I wonder if we take the juice today. And Lord, I just thank you today. I thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for healing. Thank you for us taking healing in today as we remember you. And I thank you, Lord, for us standing in your grace today as we take uh, the juice Lord, I thank you that we can do this. I thank you for that table that's prepared in the midst of the busyness of life, in the midst of every circumstance and situation. I pray for each person here, no matter what life looks like in its complexities, that we would take time to sit at the table and that we would know your peace and your acceptance and your grace and your healing and your love and that we would walk out of here knowing that we we are going through the valley of the shadow of death. And that indicates that we're going to come out the other side. And I thank you for this moment that we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we finish today, maybe you've, um, you're here and church is not your thing. Maybe it's the first time or the first time in a long time that you've been here. And hey, I just want to say to you, maybe something that I've said today has changed a little bit, I hope so, the perception 
of how God wants to interact with us. You know, maybe you've grown up with the perception that God is this big old guy in the sky that just wants to hit you over the head every time you do something wrong. I hope I've changed that for you today. And maybe for you, you want to take a step onto the journey of learning more about what Jesus has for you. And it's very simple to begin that journey. In this place, we would do something, we would pray a prayer that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my heart and I will follow you. Such a simple thing to do. But I can assure you, if you pray that prayer with your heart and you really mean it, then God will come in, change your life and and give you healing and acceptance and grace and set you on a purpose and a plan that will literally change your life. Thank you so much for today. Go out today. Really go out. I know that it's been a little bit of a more subdued message today, but I really want you to go out with that sense of God's peace and God's grace for no matter what circumstance or situation you go into and that confidence that He's with you wherever you go. Thanks, Levi. Hey, why don't we thank Pastor Sue? What a beautiful message.